This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Who is wise and understanding among you? That's a good question. What a, it's a good way to open, isn't it? Who is wise and understanding among you? I wonder if you know any wise people. Maybe uh, they might be your parent or your grandparent. Uh, maybe it might be an older person. It might actually be someone younger than you. And you can just see in this person, they've got this wisdom about them. Uh, they might be here in this room. You might be sitting right next to them this morning. If you are, you can just give them a little tap on the shoulder and say, hey, that's you. That'd be encouraging, wouldn't it? I know there are lots of wise people here, uh, so it's somewhat daunting to stand up here and tell you about wisdom, because you know about wisdom, or at least a lot of you do. Uh, This person, this wise person that you have in your mind, or might be sitting next to you, uh, they're the person you go to when you need some advice, someone you admire. Uh, Maybe it's someone you don't actually know personally, uh, but someone you admire from a distance. Uh, Maybe you even find them somewhat intimidating. They've got so much knowledge and understanding and, and they're sort of, you know, standing off afar, up on a stage, on your YouTube screen... Uh, the author of some books you like to read. Maybe you follow them on social media so that you always know what they're thinking and what they have to say. Maybe they present a podcast that you listen to often. I love podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, Full of wise and clever little bits of teaching and wisdom and understanding. Now, I wonder what, what sort of adjectives would you use to describe that wise person that you have in your mind right now? I'll I'll give you some ideas. Would you describe this person as intelligent, well-educated? Do they have lots of opinions and share them often? Do they like to give out advice and, and teach people what to think and how to behave? Are they someone who likes to call out bad thinking? or bad behavior in other people? Do they use their their reputation to kind of rile up their followers uh, and turn people against those who are stupid, those they disagree with, those they look down on? I wonder. Or perhaps this person is, is a really practical person, a really humble person. You've identified their wisdom, but they're not famous. They're not that well-known outside of their own circles, but this person's willing to lend a helping hand just quietly when there's need, willing to listen to you without judging you when you come for advice, but also willing to give that advice when it's asked for. And then that advice, when you put it into practice in your life, you notice that it works. These are kind of two versions of wisdom. Uh, I've kind of done a really rough sketch for you of the two kinds of wisdom that James has in mind uh, in this passage, and we're going to kind of dig into how I came up with that sketch uh, as we go along, uh, back it up with the verses from the Bible. 
Um, but yeah, we kind of got these two kinds of wisdom. Wisdom from above and wisdom from below. Wisdom from God and wisdom from human beings. Wisdom from heaven and wisdom from... Well, we'll get into that. He opens like this. These wise people, truly wise people with the wisdom from above, they live a good life, doing good deeds in the humility that comes from true wisdom. What do you notice about that first little introductory description of a wise person? If you'd asked me, without letting me read this text first because that's cheating. If you just asked me cold, how would you describe a truly wise person? I don't think that the first thing that would have come out of my mouth was that this person leads a good life, that their lifestyle or that their conduct is good. I might want to judge a wise person by what they think, by what they know, by what they say. Someone who has good ideas and good knowledge and good advice, maybe good theology, right? Who knows their stuff, has all the answers. But James, classic James, if you've been tracking through James, you're like, this is classic James. James is much more concerned with the practicalities. What, is, what good is it, he might say, if you have good knowledge and good ideas and good theology, but you behave terribly and make poor life choices and harm yourself and others by your bad behavior. Is that really wisdom? He's kind of, the great thing about James is that when you first read this book, it seems to just be all over the shop. And then as you start to dig into it, you're like, oh no, he's kind of doing these cycles and circles and doubling back on, other, on the ideas he's already started to unpack. He comes back to these themes again and again from a different angle. And here he's kind of coming at the whole like faith without deeds bit that we did recently. Uh, but now he's talking about wisdom without deeds. But it's a very similar idea. What he's building on uh, is what the Bible calls wisdom which is different, perhaps, to what we think of when we hear the word wisdom. But let me take you right back to the Old Testament. Uh, there's all these people in the Old Testament writing things called Proverbs or Psalms uh, or prophecies that love to talk about this idea of wisdom. And what wisdom means uh, is kind of summarized by the Proverbs, uh, in the early chapters of Proverbs, and I've just pulled out Ten verses for us. Here it goes. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, 
from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. When I read that, I notice that this author of these Proverbs is talking about some real kind of practicalities of wisdom. He talks a lot about ways and paths, uh, which is a metaphor for like the way you live your life, the decisions you make every day, the, the lifestyle that you lead. Do you live a good life, walking a straight and blameless path, or do you live a wicked life, walking a dark and crooked path? Do you notice that? True wisdom, even right back here in Proverbs in the Old Testament, true wisdom has always been about something that comes from God, first and foremost, and which enables you to live a good life, to live it out. It is full to the brim with practicality. It's not just being about being right. It's not just about having lots of knowledge and understanding. It is that. It is about knowing stuff, but it's not just about what you know. It's about what you do. Those things are proven to be right when they're seen working themselves out in practice. So then what do we do with those people who put themselves up on the stage with the microphone in their hand? What do we do with those people who believe themselves to have wisdom? in the sense of being full of knowledge and learning and understanding, but whose wisdom is not from God. What happens if you are always right about everything, at least in your own eyes, but maybe also in the eyes of some of the people around you, but not in the eyes of God? Well, James calls these people a kind of wisdom from below. Here are some of the words he uses. If you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Again, James sketches a a picture of what a falsely wise person looks like, and the things that he draws out are not that they make theological errors, not that they get things wrong about what is true and real and right. It's their hearts, it's their character, bitter, envious, selfish, ambitious, disordered, evil, because, he says, this so-called wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And it's worth pausing here for a second to say that James is speaking to Christians. He's not writing this letter to the Christians and saying, you guys are all good because you're Christians and the people out there are earthly and unspiritual and demonic. 
He's saying, you've got to check yourself. You, who think that you are wise and understanding. Who is wise and understanding among you? It's a challenge, isn't it? He's challenging them that, to say, you might be a Christian, you might know Jesus, but you might have a wisdom that isn't from Him, a wisdom that is actually coming from another source, the wrong source, producing the wrong outworkings. Now, I've seen this in practice. I've seen this in my life and in the lives of people around me. You know, God has gifted me, I think, with a degree of intelligence and understanding. And with that, I can have all kinds of insights into the world. I can think about politics and society, the behavior of other people. I can think about what I think is right and good versus what is wrong and bad. To see what is smart and clever over and against what is stupid and dumb. And with my mind, I can generate something all on my own that seems like wisdom, that is really similar to wisdom. I can get a whole bunch of stuff correct just with my own mind. And actually, it might be better not to call it wisdom, but to call it cleverness. Is that a better word? You know those clever people? Those people who become cutting and snide and cynical about others? People who think that everyone's beneath me because I have understanding and you don't. Or at least not to the level that I have it. And if we ever disagree, it's because I'm clever and you're not. And we saw, didn't we, that the vital importance of humility for true wisdom, that's the thing missing. Earthly wisdom lacks humility. And so, the person working out of their earthly wisdom criticizes and complains and grumbles about everything and everyone. I begin to overlook what is good, the joy, the love, the generosity, the beauty, the goodness of the world. Left unchecked, this kind of way of moving through the world, of thinking about yourself and others and what's right and good and wrong and bad, makes you arrogant, selfish, divisive. And we see that. Like, there's so much division at the moment in our society. It seems to be getting worse and worse. People kind of get into their faction, into their tribe, into their bubble, into their echo chamber, where everyone agrees with them, and they say, we're the smart ones, and everyone else is stupid. Those stupid liberals with their lack of common sense, twisting the morality of our society, leading us off down a path to our own destruction and calling it progress 
What are they doing? They're idiots. Those dumb conservatives with their bigoted, outdated ways of thinking, perpetuating all the evils of the past, attacking the victims in their holier-than-thou self-righteousness. Idiots. Do you hear it? You've heard these things. Maybe not condensed like that. It's a caricature, obviously. But that attitude, that heart that says, me and my people, we're right and everyone else is wrong. That is the wisdom from below. And the wisdom from above doesn't fit on my slide, so I had to reformat it. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's a list, isn't it? We should probably go through it a bit slower than that. Because there's a lot to take in there. Pure. Hagnos. Kind of means what you probably think it means. Morally blameless. Free from stain or blemish. Incapable of producing evil. That is wisdom from heaven. Incapable of producing evil. There's something in it. Not that it has the ability to avoid doing the wrong thing, but actually that it is just incapable of producing evil. And then, peace-loving, considerate, or maybe gentle is another word you could use for considerate, submissive, or you could use a phrase like open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit. These attributes are the opposites of what we just looked at, aren't they? Here we have, you know, we had wisdom from below that was about division, about being unwilling to listen to other points of view, this sort of superiority, this harshness, this judgmentalism. And here the wisdom from above is all about peace, considering others, listening in humility, offering mercy to someone who has been shown to be in the wrong, not judgment, and producing all sorts of other good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. True wisdom is from God. It comes by His Spirit, and it produces what the Spirit produces. Actually, if you know the list that Paul uses, uh, this is James, obviously, but Paul, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, and he calls it love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's, it's got the same vibe. <laughs> Is that fair? It's not exactly the same list, but it's pretty close. Actually, we haven't looked at these last two up here, impartial and sincere. Uh, these might be the ones that are the most uh, unexpected, perhaps. So I thought I'd save them for the end. Uh, the wise person is impartial. They aren't swayed by tribalism. They don't just side with my people against your people, us against them. Their love is for everyone. And that love is 
sincere, genuine, from the heart. They aren't in the practice of judging the people who disagree with them. And it's not just for show. They're not just presenting themselves as impartial and sincere when they're in front of other people, but in their heart, they think, what an idiot. No. Deep down in their heart, underneath it all, there's no false modesty. They're not putting on a show. They're not trying to prove how clever they are as some way of gaining social status. The person with godly wisdom simply is wise in what they do and in what they say. Do you know anyone like that? Have a think. I can think of one person in particular. It starts with a J. This is such a great way of describing the character of Jesus, isn't it? Jesus was pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. He was the ultimate peacemaker, the one who made peace between sinful humanity and God who had been sinned against. And he reaped the ultimate harvest of righteousness. We didn't look at that verse, did we? Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's Jesus, I think. And we who follow him, we who take his name as our label, the Christians of the Christ, let's be like our Christ. In his humility, he took on the nature of a servant. He gave himself up for us. He had way more wisdom than any of us will ever have. But he didn't use it as a weapon to gain status, to put people down. Even when there was a disagreement, even when the Pharisees came and said, we don't like what you're teaching, and, and he said, well, I'm teaching the truth, and there was a clash. Even then, it wasn't about him gaining status over them or shaming them. It was about wisdom, true wisdom. I want to be like that. I want to find that path. And it's subtle, isn't it? When you sort of stop and think about it. Like, I'm not saying the truly wise person doesn't read any books, doesn't do any study, hasn't ever been to Bible college and has no interest in ever doing so. I'm not saying that understanding and knowledge is bad or is wrong or is, is a pathway to nowhere. It's about your heart. What, do you, what is your heart doing with what you know and what you understand? Why do you want to understand and know more? Is it so you can feel superior or is it so you can serve and be humble in that? And when there's a wrong that needs calling out, then call it out. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with calling it out and, and identifying this is a problem. There's something wrong here. This needs to change. But where's your heart? 
in that? Are you doing it to criticize? Are you doing it to tear down? Are you doing it to gain power over the other person? Or are you doing it out of a love of justice, out of wanting to see the world made right, to see God's will done? I don't want to, I do want to be wise, but I don't want to be wise the way the world is wise. And when I look out at our world or when I go on social media and see what people are thinking and saying and the way that worldly wisdom works, I don't want that. I don't want to get bitter. I don't want to become cynical. I don't want to be overly critical and judgmental. When I see something wrong, I want to be part of the solution, not just a loud voice puffing myself up with how smart I am. I want to be someone who doesn't grumble and complain all the time. And yeah, I don't want to be puffed up by a false sense of superiority. I want to be like this. I want to be like Jesus. Do you? Good. I want to be humble in my wisdom. I want to bring life and wholeness and healing into a broken world that needs those things. So let's pray. I want to pray for me. I want to pray for you. Uh, So we're going to pray together. um, And if the band want to come up, now's your moment. Lord, I, yeah, I don't want to be wise in the way of the world. I don't want to gain my wisdom from earthly sources. Uh, I don't want to follow in the footsteps of these clever, bitter, cynical, critical, judgmental grumblers and complainers. Lord, I want your wisdom. We want your wisdom. Holy Spirit, we invite you uh, to fill our hearts with true wisdom, wisdom from heaven, wisdom from you, wisdom that brings life, that brings joy, that brings hope, And wisdom that works, wisdom that we can put into practice and make good choices and live good lives. Lord, uh, we come back to the foot of the cross. We come back to Jesus, the ultimate wise man who gave himself, who emptied himself, who came to love and to serve others and us. Lord, we come back to that longing to be changed and transformed by you. Lord, we don't want to do it ourselves. We don't want to become puffed up in what we can think and what we can say and what we can do. Lord, we want it to come from you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.